right, let's just get this underway. It's episode 57 of the Solid 60 with Patrick Hamilton. I'm recording from my lounge room in Blacktown. It is 6.10 in the evening on the 12th of June. I'm running a little late. If I'm supposed to be doing this once a week, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's a little outside that. This week, I'm going to be reading an article that was just thrown at me by a friend of mine whose name is Zan online. Not sure her real name because her boyfriend's name is Dan and that's just too coincidental that there's Anne and Dan and I'm sure it's just some cool nickname that's uh, kind of stuck. Anyway, I'm not going to expose whatever that would be even if I ever find out. Um, Who knows, it could be a real name. X-A-N, it's pretty damn cool. If I ever have a girl one day, uh, I might think about that. Obviously with the mother's consent because I'm very equal opportunity and all about sharing the load and uh, responsibility and decision making and all that which brings me to this week's topic that was sent to me by her because she's all about girls in gaming but not gamer girls it's all about uh, and I'm not going to just it's probably written down somewhere she sent me a video clip basically by a youtuber which I still haven't quite finished I'm halfway through the first feminist academic shows feminist video game criticism is wrong So it's a slightly controversial stance to take. It's essentially saying that if you just carve off an entire league for only girl gamers, then you're going to other them, now a verb. You can actually close them off into this other world, and it's all about integration, essentially. So there's there's another push in feminism to not really have girl gamers, just girls in gaming that are really... The girl part of it's not so consequential. There should be more girls involved... But uh, and remove whatever barriers there are to that happening, but not the way it's been promoted at the moment. Just integrate, show that they're as good as anyone else can be, and it'll steamroll from there, hopefully. So, yeah, it's a bad explanation, but essentially um, I can see the point. I'm trying to find the article that I was sent by her. I've got at the moment something about the making of a killer, which is Four Corners' expose of the James Gargasoulis character, who in real life on January the 20th last, not last year, that was a while ago, feels like yesterday, but he basically drove through Melbourne in a shitty old Commodore and killed a whole bunch of people on a bit of a spree. Now he's locked up forever, hopefully, but essentially how that all went down. They've got this really cool trick with their website. It's four corners, but you have to just go to abc.net.au forward slash news, and that's a mouthful. Essentially just, I'm sure if you Googled time bomb the making of a killer, it would bring you to this webpage and it's all about how that went down and it's just really cool the way they've got it set up they've got this um you scroll down and there'll be little videos uh that just kind of autoplay right across the screen and photos that pop up here and there it's like an interactive experience it's hard to describe but it's it really feels like a slick new this is how the internet the direction i come into this completely of sound mind and i feel like i'm pretty sharp i've had a 12 hour day at work but otherwise feeling fine healthily as far as i know i'm not sick or anything and i just still within it's been what three minutes i get cotton mouth that's just the nature of the beast and i i got a feeling as long as i do this that's always going to happen now and then i just have to roll on it's a funny thing i never would have discovered if i hadn't tried to do this podcast thing but we work with what we've got and that's what I'm going to try and do the best I can. So essentially what I was saying was, yeah, this looks like the direction that a professional, well-made website should go in, especially when you're trying to tell a story. That's just really cool. I can't describe it with any justice, so just check out Time Bomb. Burke Street Attack, Making of Killer, 
James Gargasoulis. I don't know where that's from. Sounds possibly Greek, but basically, he kind of looks like Nick Curios. That's one of the quotes by someone that rang up Triple O, which I can see there to a degree. He's got that Roman nose and he's kind of brownish and yeah, that's why everyone said it was terrorism, but no, he was just a nut job. But yeah, that was a real sad case. I don't think I'll read through the whole thing, though. Writers blocked even fantasy fiction is now offensive. Maybe that's it. All I had to do was go to the bloody Facebook page, uh, which I haven't even got up, which is weird. I know that if I do, I'm going to get distracted. There's going to be how many notifications since I last checked? What, five minutes ago? 12, but I'm going to just skip to the messenger inbox, which is usually a bit slower. And we had this whole conversation about how there should be less barriers, but no boundaries uh, in girl gaming. And there's, there's a whole long discussion there, so it's pretty cool. Article she sent me was from The Atlantic. So God knows where that ended up. Oh, it's over here. Who gets to look out to the edge of the universe? For years, more men than women were allowed to use the world's most powerful telescope until the system changed. So it's not what I expected. It's in their science section of The Atlantic and it's written by Marina Corrin. The cosmos would seem like a dull and desolate void if it weren't for the Hubble Space Telescope. The space-based observatory has revealed a trove of colourful cosmic wonders, from sparkling stars and galaxies, to glowing clouds of gas and dust, to the glittering shards left behind after a supernova. Hubble has found these cosmic jewels scattered across the universe and followed them back in time reaching almost to the Big Bang. The work behind this celestial catalogue begins back on Earth at the Space Telescope Science Institute in Maryland. Each year, the Institute receives more than 1,000 proposals from scientists around the world asking for a piece of Hubble's busy observation schedule. The process is quite competitive. Only about 200 proposals are accepted, selected by committees of astronomy experts. Unfortunately, the process may be flawed. In 2014, the Space Telescope Science Institute noticed a pattern. In more than a dozen review cycles since 2001, proposals led by men consistently did better than proposals led by women. The Institute's leadership wondered whether the way they assessed proposals had something to do with it. Under the current system, reviewers knew the identities of applicants, including their gender, but applicants didn't know the identity of reviewers. It's a standard setup in the sciences, from telescope proposals to paper submissions, but perhaps it had allowed subtle biases to creep in. This year, the Institute decided to conduct a double-blind review, which hid nearly all information about applicants, including gender from reviewers. Of the 351 male-led proposals, 28 were picked. Of the 138 female-led proposals, 12 were chosen. That translates into an 8.7% success rate for female researchers and 8% for male researchers. Under the new review system, the disparities that Hubble's decision makers had seen year after year had disappeared. Priyam, here we go, it's an Indian name. Priyam, there's a lot of consonants together there that shouldn't be, let's just put it that way and go with Priya. Natarajan, a theoretical physicist at Yale who led the effort, said she was surprised at the outcome. I was ready to see a small change, but not complete parity. But she wasn't surprised that the year-long pattern had been broken. Researchers found ample evidence that men and women are evaluated differently in the same settings, and the Hubble program is no different, she said. I firmly believe that conscious and unconscious bias both operate quite strongly in these kind of reviews. They're not entirely objective. Last year, the Space Telescope Science Institute, they really need to shorten that, 
brought in some outside researchers to sit on reviewer discussions and evaluate the process. They reported that nearly half of all discussions included some focus on the applicants rather than the science in the proposals. He is very well qualified, one reviewer said. My group has benefited a lot from previous work from this team, said another. To the outside consultants, this process wasn't objective at all. They recommended that the Institute implement a fully anonymous review system. The new system presented reviewers with applications without any names or identifying details. Outside observers were brought in to listen to their discussions again. This time, the tenor of the deliberations was different. It was really noticeable how the discussion was really focused much more on the science, says Natajran, who has participated in the discussions of both settings. Some of the reviewers said it was almost liberating to focus on the science of the proposals and not on the people who wrote them. If they wanted reviewers, could learn about the applicants after they made their final decisions. The Institute had applicants submit separate documents detailing their backgrounds and expertise, just in case reviewers wanted to make sure that the team could in fact execute their proposals. Nata Joran said that the majority of reviewers didn't seek out those documents. They were like, it doesn't matter, we are confident that we picked the best science. Nata Joran cautions it's too early to determine whether gender biases are the only biases that played a role in the process, and if they did, by how much. The review process wasn't a controlled experiment. We have to continue this and it'll take time to see whether these trends hold up, she said. The pattern that the Hubble program identified in its reviews is not new, and it affects some of the most powerful and coveted telescopes around the world. A 2016 survey of more than 13,000 applicants to the European Southern Observatory, which operates several ground-based telescopes, found that female applicants had significantly lower chances of getting telescope time. Another 2016 analysis of applications to the National Radio Astronomy Observatory, which also runs ground-based telescopes, found the same effect. This year, an analysis of requests for Canadian telescopes found that proposals written by women were rated significantly worse than those by men. In all these cases, reviewers were aware of the identities of the applicants. Some institutes have implemented anonymous review process in an attempt to protect against potential perceptions of bias. The journal Biological Conservation switched from single to double-blind reviews in 2014, not because it had seen any evidence of bias, it said, just, but just in case. This, ultimately, will be in the best interests of furthering conservation science. Nature and its suite of journals followed suit in 2015, offering researchers of the choice between the two systems, but analysis have shown that the number of study authors who actually opt for an anonymous review is low. Space Telescope Science Institute officials say they will continue to use double-blind reviews. Natajaran hopes that over time researchers can focus on other factors beyond gender, like country of origin, university or institution affiliation, and how well-known applicants are in their field. But this experiment is getting quite the late start. Hubble launched 28 years ago, and the observatory is ageing. Engineers don't know exactly when Hubble may stop functioning, but they are prepared for that moment to come soon. I asked Nada Jaran whether she was frustrated that officials decided to overhaul the proposal system now, when requests for Hubble are bound to become even more competitive and time is running short. What else could Hubble had seen if the process had been different, if the pool of applicants were more diverse?
It's a bit upsetting that there was more struggle than needed to be because basically the system was rigged and the playing field was simply not level, as Ryan said. Officials are looking ahead to the next great space telescope, the James Webb, which will be 100 times more powerful than the Hubble. Webb is scheduled to launch in 2021. Ken Sembach, the director of the Space Telescope Science Institute, said the organisation is considering using double-blind reviews for Webb proposals from the outset and hasn't made a formal decision yet. We are still reviewing the results from the recent Hubble review and wish to discuss them with our stakeholders at NASA and in the science community, he said. Nadezhiran feels like the decision has already been made. For her, the results of even one round were encouraging enough. I think those days are gone, she said of single-blind reviews. The impact is so obvious, there's just no way that we can go back now. So there we go, that's that article. I do have to get going. I've got to go buy some crap for the cats. Boring domestic chores like that. I basically started this because I was putting off, putting my doona back in the duvet cover because uh, essentially my cat got a bit upset the other morning. Monday morning, it was public holiday. I didn't want to get out of bed. The cat was having none of it and was like, come on, man, it's time for breakfast. And eventually decided to really get back at me for making it wait for food by peeing at my feet. I did not realize this until God knows how many minutes afterwards when I started to get up and was like, it's a little wet. Very confusing because it's never done that before. He's nearly, I don't know, 18 months old now. And it's like so weird. One thing a friend said was that possibly because uh, he's hit puberty or whatever cats do and he's getting a bit more uh, territorial and trying to assert himself and all that sort of crap. So basically, I've got to get the guy snipped. He's going to the vet and it's happening. I don't know exactly when, but yeah, it's, it's time. That's the kind of thing they do, apparently, when they're not so much on heat, but yeah, too much testosterone running through that guy. Uh, otherwise, he's fine. He's been good since. And uh, so I'm off to get them some treats. What else do I need? More milk? Just boring stuff like that. So you don't need to hear all about that. Bus is going on. I will be 6.30. I've got a little bit of time. Because it is... That's no, Wednesday. Okay. If it was Thursday, I'd have some real fun. Because it's late night shopping. I could check every single uh, Kmart, Target, Big W for if there's any hidden treasure hunt Hot Wheels. Because that's a weird little uh, obsession that I've got over the last couple of years uh, for a while now actually because I remember going on a date with a girl well before I met Karen or anyone else it was in Kmart and it was at midnight and I remember hunting through there for any cool toys and that was even before I had uh, Gabriel so you know we're talking nearly 10 years ago but it slowly grew from there like that was just I'd have a quick browse and go oh that's cool I like that and, and grab it but now it's like oh we've got to get all of these ones and all of those ones it's it's uh, pretty tragic but there was something else I was gonna read and it's gonna wait because I do want to make these kind of shortish because it is just me I'm listening to this one voice for more than half an hour it's got to be trying so appreciate you for holding out this long work stuff nothing really new they broke another truck today another one yesterday so we're really short of like vehicles and everyone's almost doubling up uh it's crazy so there's a lot of backlog a lot of stuff that's not getting done and uh people go nuts and yeah hence the long days uh, when i'm by myself they'll probably be a little bit shorter once i know where everything is otherwise yeah probably recording banana split on sunday so in a couple of days 
which will be a week before Supernova. So that's exciting. I'm going to borrow a friend's sweet, sweet DSLR camera, hang out the front, and just do the photo thing. Because that's, I think, where I have the most fun. I don't think I'm even going to buy tickets. I'm just going to uh, eventually probably borrow someone's once they leave and wander in and check out the Artist Alley because they always have some cool stuff. But I'm not really worried about anything else that would be in there. Some of the panels might be cool. Whenever I start doing that stuff, I get anxious that I'm missing out on some really cool cosplay photos. So I want to get back into that. That's where how I really started other than showing one of my kids around. I mean, that always trumps literally anything else. But uh, I don't know if Lewis is going to make it out there. Gabriel might for one of the days. So that would be good. That'll, uh, that'll probably be the day that I'll have to actually buy a ticket. And it's just still on that petty after years of getting media passes to not get anything <laughs> now enough that I even submitted a request this year I'm just like yeah it's it's hard to to go back um, and, and be like some chump buying a ticket uh, when I know I'm pretty sure for us Comic Con I'm not going to have that issue because uh, I'm fairly friendly with their PR people and uh, I've got to get the website back up I've been talking to Marie actually got in touch when I well I got in touch and she got back to me uh, which was nice and uh, sent an email off to whoever is in charge of the the hosting of the website and hopefully that goes somewhere it's a little disappointing that it got to this point but um, to be fair I wasn't throwing a lot on there a part of me I guess was like oh that's good because then I don't have to the lazy part of me was like just letting it slide I really should jump back on I think ultimately what I need to do if it's going to be taken seriously is do something like well if you look at the Four Corners website oh my god uh, or any of the other modern successful ones that are actually getting the odd reader in like uh, Kotaku obviously is one that they've been firing a lot of people you just have to look around at what's doing well and then you're like wow okay we need to lift our game but without professional web developers or coders or anyone like that yeah, you kind of it's an uphill battle but if the content's good enough I think and you practice your writing I still think you're going to get the odd click and you know a bit of feedback now and then so I can't just post memes for the rest of my life yeah in the background that's that's hopefully going to get into gear again at some point uh, but for now that's episode 57 of the Solid 60 thanks for listening it's always a pleasure until next time love you all